Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast. In today's sermon, Pastor George continues his series on hope and letting us know that hope is here. This message was originally preached on April 3rd, 2022. Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. Thank you, Jody. Thank you for that message this morning. You all know someone who needs hope today. You just stop and think about that. You know somebody who needs hope today. You know somebody who right now is, is sitting in a pile of ashes. You know somebody who is mourning a loss. You know somebody who is despairing. You may even, you may even be sitting next to that person. You may even be that person. And if it is you today, I want you to know that today's message is an encouragement to you to recognize that even when things are difficult in your life, you can still be a message of hope to others. Pastor Rick Warren says that God never wastes an experience in our lives. He goes on and he says, God will work in your life so that, so that God can work through you to encourage others. I, I think it's important for us to recognize that not only this morning are we needing to learn to bring hope to others, but to recognize that we ourselves need hope. You know, we began the morning by, by thinking about different ways that people brought hope to us in this past week. And, you know, it always makes you feel good to know that there are still people out there who are dealing hope to others. But my guess is that this morning, you know someone specifically who needs hope. And, and even if that's you this morning, I, I want to just pause right now to join together in a word of prayer. I want you to just, just picture in your mind as you close your eyes this morning that, that one person that you can think of who needs hope this morning, whether it's someone you know by name and by situation, or whether it is somebody that you know only by hearing their story. But I just want to encourage you to, uh, to pray for that person right now. And if, if you're comfortable doing so, I just ask you to reach out and take the hand of a person near you. I think as we connect ourselves in prayer, it just it assures us and helps us to remember that this isn't just our prayer. It's, it's, it's everyone's prayer. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the hope that you bring to us, hope that is not based on circumstances, but based upon who you are as the author of life and the hope of the world. Today, as we hold family and friends and even people we may not know directly in our hearts, we bring them into your presence, Lord. We, we pray that they may find comfort in knowing you are ever-present in our lives. 
And as we are connected to one another today, Lord, we pray that we pray that not only may we, but may they be connected to people who can bring peace and comfort to them. Lord, we pray that you will wrap them in your loving arms. Let them feel the beat of your compassionate heart and let them hear the gentle whisper of your voice speaking words of grace over them. And so we pray all this, Lord, that you may make us aware of how we may be your presence in the lives of others today and always. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when Jesus began his public ministry, he was in his home synagogue in Nazareth. People had been, had been hearing these things about this son of the synagogue, and, and now here he was. <coughs> Excuse me. Here he was. He, he was. he was seated among people who had known him since he was a little boy, and, and as was his custom when he was in the synagogue, he read from the scripture, and he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus read these words. Can you sort of picture for a moment Jesus being hand, handed a, a phone and saying, here, read the scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Luke, who was actually talking to people who were there on that very day when Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah, wrote that Jesus sat down and then he said to everybody who was sitting there, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And with that statement, Jesus literally took on the mantle of Israel's long-awaited Messiah. And remember, these were people who had seen Jesus grow up from a little boy, and now they see this man who is standing there, and he is saying, today I am fulfilling this prophecy. People that were sitting there were like, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> they're just sort of chuckling at him, you know, because they've known him since he was a little boy. <laughs> Some people are like, oh gosh, this guy has gone mad, you know. Who does he think he is? Jesus, the Messiah? <laughs> Never. And that's that's just sort of the attitude that people had. How can he claim to be this Messiah, this messenger of hope? Now you have to, to think back for a moment. Think back, to, think back to, to when this passage of Isaiah was written. It was written to people who were exiled. They had been taken from their homeland. They were looking for a message of hope. They were clinging to something. They were looking for hope. Even the people sitting there in the synagogue in Nazareth that day, they had been looking as their ancestors had for the last 400 years for a message of hope for the Messiah to come. And now Jesus is standing there saying to all of them, 
It's me. It's me. And, and, and I really think sometimes, sometimes when people, when people hear those words today that, that we are the bearers of the hope of the world, that people maybe laugh at us the same way they laughed at Jesus. You? The hope of the world? You? <laughs> you? <laughs> it's sort of comical, isn't it? I, I wonder, I really wonder if in a way when, when people who are hopeless in this world hear us claim the name of Christian, that maybe their question is the same that was asked of Jesus that day. Who do you think you are to claim the title of Messiah? And, and yet that's just who you and I are today. We, as the disciples of Jesus, his learners, his followers, the ones who, who are called to live out his life every day, at least that's what we're supposed to do. You and I are the ones Jesus has anointed to carry his name, to carry his name, to represent him in this world. And folks, if there was ever a time, if there was ever a place where people need hope, it's today. If there was ever a time, if there was ever a place where people are wondering, are there a people who go by the name of Jesus who really have hope to offer to the world? This is that moment. And yet I wonder, I wonder at times if the world really does find hope in us. I wonder if the world really does feel that you and I embody the hope that Jesus represents. Well, I'm here to tell you today that your mission is Jesus' mission. Your message is Jesus' message. And regardless of who people think we are, you and I are called to take hold of and to claim and honor the name of Jesus by embodying his message of hope for the world. So let's go back to this message that Jesus shared in the synagogue that day, the words from the prophet Isaiah. So who was this message for? As you look at the screen here today, well, there are four categories of people. There are the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, and the prisoners. Now my guess is that when most of us hear those four terms, we come up with characterizations in our head that the world has sort of painted for us. We, we, think of, we think of people who are uneducated, people who are unwilling to work, people who abuse the system, people who would rather, we would rather incarcerate than rehabilitate. But when Jesus spoke these words, when Isaiah first wrote these words, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, and the prisoners, do you know who they were? It was you and you and you and me. The poor... The brokenhearted, the captives, and the prisoners. That's you and me, folks. 
It's our family members, it's our friends, it's the people that you are going to pass by this week in the store and at work. Because, folks, being poor is about a whole lot more than money, and being in prison is about a whole lot more than being confined to a jail cell. Ask anybody who deals with addictions, they will tell you what it means to be a captive or a prisoner. And brokenhearted, to be brokenhearted is about more than just having lost a love. And when you think back to all the people we've been talking about throughout this series, Job and Abraham and Sarah and Naomi and Ruth and David, they are the poor and the brokenhearted, the captives and the prisoners. And their stories are our stories. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoners, it's you, it's me, it's the people that are sitting next to you right now, it's the people in our homes, it's the people at your work, it's the next door neighbor. This past week, I, I actually heard the story about some middle school kids. Definitely not a group that you think of when you think poor, when you think of poor and brokenhearted and captives and prisoners. And yet, that was their story. Now, this wasn't like a bad group of kids. This is church kids, church middle schoolers, who, who expressed in writing their, their poverty of spirit, their brokenheartedness over relationships, their captivity to stress and feeling like prisoners in their own bodies. Middle school church kids. When Jesus says that his message is for the poor and the brokenhearted, the captive and the prisoner, his message isn't for somebody that we've characterized in our head who is something other it is you, and it is me, and it is the people that we walk by every day. There is a world out there that is in need of hope, and that hope begins when you and I embody the message of Jesus Christ and lead other people to that hope that is found in him. What is the message that Jesus has to offer? Well, it comes to us in four words to go along with the four things that, that these people need. It is good news, it is renewal, it is freedom, and it is release. Now listen, when, when Isaiah penned these words, he was writing to a group of people who found themselves exiled. They were, they were far from home. They were living in a foreign land. And they looked around at the circumstances and they were longing for some sort of good news. They needed someone to bring them hope. And so Jeremiah, who was a contemporary of Isaiah, wrote to these people about hope and writing to the exiles who thought that hope was returning to the promised land. Listen to this, people. Listen. People who thought that hope was going back to where we used to live, that hope was, was back there where we used to be, where everything was familiar. What did Jeremiah say? Jeremiah said that hope was embodied when you became the people of God in the place where you find yourself, in the midst of exile. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 
Jeremiah wrote to them and he said, here's what I want you to do. Even, even in this foreign land, I want you to settle down. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to give your kids in marriage. I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of the city into which you are exiled. And what Jeremiah was reminding the exiles that day was that hope doesn't always come packaged the way we would expect to find hope. But hope comes when the people of God seek to embody the hope in the midst of their everyday life. Folks, hope doesn't always come in the way we expect it to come. But hope, hope like asparagus can pop up in the strangest places. So while Jeremiah is reminding these exiles that they could embody hope in a strange land, because who were these people? These were the people of God. These were the people of hope. To them, Isaiah's prophecy of hope was in the coming of a Savior, a Savior who would come, who would embody good news and renewal and freedom and release. And who was that person? That person was Jesus. And so when he, when, he took up, when he took up the mantle of Isaiah's prophecy, Jesus was announcing, folks, hope is here, and I am the embodiment of that hope. And what do we read? When we start to read the accounts of Jesus' life and those who came after him, we find hope springing up everywhere. You know, to the poor, Jesus didn't offer money. He offered something much more valuable. I was thinking about it this morning. I thought about the story in Acts chapter 3 about how Peter and John are going up to the temple. And, and as they are going up to the temple, they meet a beggar, a crippled beggar who is holding out his hands, and he's like, what can you give me? He wants money. He wants silver and gold. And that's exactly what Peter and John said. We don't have that. We don't have any silver and gold, but I'll tell you what we have. We have hope in Jesus Christ, and in his name, rise up and walk. And what did he do? He got up on his feet, and he walked into the temple, and he started leaping and praising God. Because he didn't get any money from Peter and John. He got hope. He got hope. To the brokenhearted Jesus' words brought comfort and the restoration of hope. Jesus was standing, <coughs> when Jesus was standing there beside the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, Mary and Martha were brokenhearted. They, they were without hope. And Jesus said to them, I am the resurrection and the life. He brought them hope and comfort in the midst of their sorrow. To the captives, Jesus brought freedom to you and me, to our friends, to those who need hope. Jesus is hope. And when you think about, about one word that sort of sums up everything that Jesus is, it's that word shalom. Not just peace, but good news and renewal and freedom and release, all of that bound up in one word. 
The shalom of Jesus is salvation. It's healing. It's providing for the physical and emotional restoration of people's lives, and it is about making all things new. Shalom is hope. It is the answer to every need in our world today. The last question, the last question is how does Jesus shalom, how does Jesus all-encompassing hope get to those who need it? Well, it comes from you. And when you look at this passage from Isaiah, it comes how? It comes in three ways, through the spoken proclamation of hope. People need to hear you speak words of hope. That's what they're looking for today. They need a word of hope, and you have hope. Yes. I'm looking at my granddaughter down there, smiling. She's hope. She's hope. She doesn't know it, but she's hope. And by recognizing that you are sent, that's the other way. You are sent to bring hope to places of need. You know, we can't just sit on our hope inside the church. We have to go and be the body of Christ in the world. We are sent to places of need so that we can bring hope. And through our words and our actions, we can release those who are prisoners and captives. And you go back to that quote that I shared from Rick Warren, that God never wastes an experience. God will always work through your life to encourage others. Folks, remember that you are not to keep your hope to yourself. You have a message of hope that needs to be shared. And you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to be ordained to be able to proclaim it. All you need to do is tell your story of how Jesus brought hope into your life. And so when Jesus' earthly ministry was all done, what did he tell his disciples? He said, go! Go! The message of hope isn't something that we keep bottled up inside a building that we call the church. It is what is bottled up inside of us looking to get out. It is our life being filled with the life of Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, the one who came to bring hope into the world. And so when you go from here today, throughout this entire week, you have the opportunity to be hope, to bring hope, to exude hope to every hopeless person that you meet this week. And remember that sometimes hope will simply be practical because ultimately hope meets needs whether they're the physical needs, the emotional and relational needs of a person, or spiritual needs. Hope looks at the lock and brings a key that sets people free. And as Isaiah finished that word of prophecy, he assures us that once the message of hope is embodied in the world through Jesus, we follow that hope with these things happening that beauty will replace ashes, that gladness will follow mourning, and that praise will resound instead of despair. Folks, you are hope. 
when you embody the good news of Jesus in your life, when you, in practical, everyday ways, bring hope to those who need hope. You, because of the power of Jesus Christ in you, are the hope of the world. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, as we, as we receive this message today, remind us that you have anointed us to bring hope to our world. Hope that is not based upon, upon circumstances, hope that is not based upon things that we might possess, but hope that comes in a person and his name is Jesus. May we share our hope in him with others that we meet this week. May it come through our words, may it come through our actions, and may it come through the practical ways that you enable us to reach out and touch the lives of others. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Lingostown Life Podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.lingostownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth and love God and love others.